This episode is sponsored by the publisher Rootledge. Rootledge has an extensive collection within education and educational leadership. They publish thousands of books and journals each year, serving scholars, instructors, and professional communities worldwide. Go to their homepage, rootledge.com. Welcome to the podcast, Research in Leadership in Schools, Early Childhood Settings and Social Care Settings. This podcast concentrates on leadership in schools and early childhood settings and social care settings. And this is because that leadership is often identified in research as a key element in delivering a high quality early childhood program and is also seen as a crucial factor in an Uh, effective school. So I hope that you will enjoy the interview that I am able to present to you today with a researcher in the field of leadership. Yeah, so I am here in Chicago. I am at a national conference on early childhood leadership conference is called Leadership Connections and it's organized by the McCormick Center for Early Childhood Leadership. And I have met up with one of the presenters here at uh, the conference and she is called Heather Budin. Something like that. But welcome to the podcast. (laughs) Thank you for having me. And she is something called a pedagogical leader in Ontario in Canada. Maybe we can firstly have a short introduction to what is a pedagogical leader. So my role really um, consists of working alongside educators and leaders um, to look at what they're doing within their programs and how they can set professional goals for development. Um, So that might happen through mentorship, that might happen through large conferences, through networking, um, and ultimately how do we increase quality by um, looking at our practices, reflecting on what we're doing, Um, And so my role is really founded in building relationships and using those relationships to drive change. And how many early childhood centers do you kind of serve? So we serve uh, quite a few in our region. So we work with small, um, everything from small nonprofit to larger for-profit. And so it would be over 60 centers uh, that we'd be working with in our area, wide geographical area. And, and, and is there a team serving the 60 or are you kind of responsible for 10 of them? Uh, no, so we, uh, there are two pedagogical leaders in our area and then one support position. Um, and so we work together um, sometimes independently with the center or we might work collaboratively with the center. We might also offer um, kind of network opportunities for all leaders to come together to have a conversation together. Um, so definitely working in collaboration with others. And today you did that presentation on change management, change management and leadership in early childhood centers. And let's start out by talking about leadership. And if we are to 
talk about leadership and early childhood centers. What, what, what is kind of uh, your approach to that? So really, I think it's starting the conversation with the question of what does leadership mean to us within our context? And what does leadership mean specifically to an early childhood setting? So oftentimes in the literature, leadership is um, kind of clumped with leadership in education or leadership in the business sector. And we definitely see this gap in the literature in what does it look like to lead directly in an early childhood education setting. And these settings are really unique in nature and really complex. And so kind of taking time to come together in dialogue allows us to really enhance our understanding about what this position looks like, what are the challenges to this position, um, what are the success stories behind this position, and how do the leaders themselves define their roles. And um, I think what we heard today in some of our conversation is that um, just like Peter Northouse attributes to in his book, uh, there are many ways to define leadership uh, in, in the early childhood setting, and it means something different depending on the culture that you're working within, um, your setting, the families that you're serving. So I would say that it's difficult to narrow in on. But then you find the notion of distributed leadership kind of very useful. Can, can you talk a little bit about distributed leadership? Sure. So um, for me, uh, kind of when I think of distributed leadership, I think of some of uh, Alma Harris's work in um, kind of looking at multiple sources of guidance and direction. And the idea that not everyone in the organization leads, but we can build on that internal resource to lead and more specifically to guide change and to kind of um, look at how we may begin to navigate some of the organizational problems that we're dealing with. Um, and this idea that leadership can develop anywhere within our organization, and we can use this to empower staff, um, to retain staff, to widen our organizational lens when we are looking at problems, and uh, really connects well to the, to the field in the sense that um, I think it definitely aligns with looking at how complex early childhood education settings are and um, the idea that we can't solve a problem alone, it's just simply too complex for that. So we really need multiple sources of guidance and direction for that. And, and kind of distributed leadership by James Belaine and Alma Harris is kind of developed for a school context. Do you think there are specific characteristics for early childhood which might be a bit different than a school context? I think that um, it definitely has similarities, so we don't want to necessarily generalize it to that uh, context, which is why we really need um, action research to be taking place, so research being done by educators within the classroom to look at if this leadership style is A, even possible to really be happening, uh, and B, if it really is something that um, drives change forward. But a lot of those tendencies really do um, overlap, and I think that some of them specifically um, look at that idea that, um, so like from Spillane, uh, interactions within the organization. So uh, distributed leadership is really focused on the interactions between stakeholders. And 
in early education, especially in the Ontario context, um, for us, we're really driving home that point that early education is all about those relationships. Um, so that's what is really the foundation for children in the early years, and we want to make sure that we build on that. So this leadership approach aligns really well with that, um, and it also looks at engaging various uh, people within uh, leadership activity, and that allows um, just multiple choice or multiple voices to come to the table. And, and then if we kind of move on, and we have talked a little bit about the leadership, distributed leadership, and then if we move on to the change management kind of section, uh, what is your kind of um, starting point with talking about change management in early childhood settings? So um, something that I think has really uh, resonated with me along the lines of change uh, is some of Michael Fullan's work and specifically this idea that he puts out that change is technically simple but socially complex and I feel that aligns so well with what we're trying to do in early childhood education and that to implement a change you know a new program um, a new way of taking attendance might be really actually very simple but all of those social pieces um, and the complexities of our roles and our settings um, is what makes it complicated. So then managing or guiding that change comes with so many different pieces, so multi-layered, um, which I think is why I really come back to this idea that one person can't guide it alone. You can't kind of go at that alone. Um, the idea that change is constant, um, and again, kind of a, a Michael Fullen concept is that idea that we may be able to understand it, but we cannot control it. So um, it's something that's going to happen regardless of, I'm a very good at, at controlling things, but regardless of um, how much I can control in my life, uh, change is not necessarily one part of that. And that can cause people a lot of anxiety. Um, so, you know, anytime there's change, uh, we see fear or we see resistance, but we can work with that fear and resistance if we reframe it. Do you think maybe this is something also with the, the times we live in, that it's very kind of changeable times? In, here in America, they will talk a lot about millennial parents. I think in Europe, we would say that there are parents marked by postmodernism, which kind of is that they constantly surge after their own identity, and hence they kind of change quite a lot in their approach to their children. And there's also something about our society, which is much more fluid than if we only look 30 years back. So do you think kind of this whole movement about constant change is something that is bound to these times we are living in? I think that uh, perhaps that is a connection you could make, especially when you look at uh, we have we have more access to technology than ever before. And so that with that, you know, the obvious is that change comes. But I know in a Canadian context, I think just um, moving to a place where we're welcoming other voices to the table allows us to um, really increase our acceptance level for change or even rather embrace change. So as we open the room for kind of deeper dialogue and engage with different stakeholders, we are allowing ourselves to kind of grow and um, embrace change perhaps. And 
I think our guiding documents for sure in Ontario are moving in that direction. So, you know, our um, we have an ethics that guides our practice. And right within that is this concept that all early childhood educators, regardless of position, are leaders. So it's really calling on us to consider what that looks like. And, and, and then you had a second official document. Which yeah. So in 2014, Ontario put out a framework for early learning called How Does Learning Happen? And this framework also calls us to think about this idea that when educators are engaged in continuous learning, and I see change as part of that process naturally, um, and questioning and exploring new ideas, practice is then adjusted And consequently, they achieve the best outcomes for um, the children they're working with, for the families, and also for themselves. And then uh, in the session today, you talked about that uh, changes kind of can create fear in us as individual people. So, so even though I say that we are kind of living in time, in a time where there's a lot of changes, changes has always be a, been a part of kind of the human uh, uh, culture. Uh, so, so, so can you talk a little bit about how kind of people maybe instinctively re react to change? Yes, so uh, kind of back to Michael Fullan's work is that idea that change is always seen as a threat regardless of whether it's small or large because it causes you to move out of your comfort zone. And today I talked about the idea that um, sometimes we don't even realize it's a threat because we just, um, you know, it's, it's so um, just part of our discourse or it's just part of our actions to say, I resist right away and not think about, you know, is this really actually a threat? What are the assumptions that I'm making? Um, I think that um, when I think about this concept of change being a threat to people. I often hear people saying like, those are the naysayers, those are the people we need to just get rid of. Or, you know, what do I do with these people that don't agree? Um, so I think of two things. I think first of a story that I heard from a, a leader not long ago um, out of London, Ontario, that shared um, her experience in working with someone who was not on board for a change in the organization. And rather than just saying, we are getting rid of this person because they're not buying in, they looked at how they can redefine this resistance. So seeing this rather than um, saying, this is just a problem to how can we learn from this? And I think that goes back to even some of those Reggio concepts of critical friends. Um, and looking at saying, I'm going to learn the most from people I disagree with. Um, and who do we tend to hang around with? The people we agree with. So we really want to reshape that and see that as a positive. Um, and when we're looking at change, we want diversity at the table. And, 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 and if we kind of uh, talk a little bit more about, so what is change actually? And maybe maybe we have a too narrow kind of understanding of what change is. Well, what is change for you? Uh, so I would say that um, someone's work I've admired and looked a lot into is Jillian Rod. And Rod de defines or describes change as this process of making, becoming, or causing something to be different. And when I think about that, I think that we have small level change and we have large complex change. Um, it's that ripple effect 
within the organization um, and realizing that no matter the level of change, it will impact um, culture, it will impact climate, uh, it can impact how people um, come to work each day, the interactions with children and families. So it's something that I think we need to talk more about. We need more research on um, and we need to definitely engage and empower our educators um, in that conversation. Uh, so Anne Douglas recently did a, a, a wonderful webinar and she talked about this idea that all too often early educators do not see themselves as the drivers of change, but rather as the recipients of change. And so I think that's a really powerful statement for us as leaders to think about um, in terms of what are we then uh, perpetuating, how do we help to shift that narrative, and why is that narrative important to be uh, changed. And, and, and if we talk about uh, supporting change processes in an early childhood settings, are there some kind of things we should specifically kind of look at? Well, that's like the million dollar question, I feel. Um, I think it's just remembering that each situation and each setting is really unique. So this is where um, in Ontario, specifically in my context, we're really looking at, um, you know, what value does a checklist really bring? You know, what value does that add to us in understanding uh, kind of the deep roots of our organization? And so when we're looking at making change, I think we want to get below the surface there, especially if it's a complex change, to look at some of those more um, cultural pieces and some more of the climate and, and beyond, yeah, beyond the surface. And so um, I think that I'm losing my my train of uh, my train of thought there. Sorry, but um, yeah, yeah, no, no, yeah <laughs> no, 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 no problem. If we if we maybe continue to talk uh, further about uh, change and and you talked about today, maybe we could take this that that you talked a little bit about uh, simple change mm -hmm. and complex change. Mm -hmm. And maybe nowadays we are more into kind of the complex changes, or maybe in one. No, no, no. Actually, because you talked about today that some of our changes are simple change and mm -hmm. and maybe it's for us to kind of differentiate or make a difference between those two kind of change. I think, yeah, that you um, will know your organization, hopefully, uh, in terms of um, identifying is this change going to be something that is simple um, or is this going to be complex? But generally, when we're looking at those complex changes, again, um, this is coming from some of Jillian Rod's work around those those changes are more unique in nature. They're more radical and unpredictable. And that simple change is more linear. It's easier to control and it has more predictability. So, for example, um, a simple change in your organization may be introducing a new tool for attendance taking. Um, in Ontario, we've introduced something called Hi Mama, what's used for documenting learning. That's a techno technological change. It's going to be more simple to implement than a complex change like implementing a pedagogical leader into your organization internally. So that's going to um, have much more uh, unpredictability. Um, it's going to be more organic and it might be radical depending on where your organization is. And I want to go back because I remembered what I wanted to say about what do we need to, to uh, guide change and what's kind of that underlying thing. And today I talked about this idea that uh, often we get wrapped up in 
kind of what we don't have. You know, we need time and money, time and money. And that's all people kind of focus on. So when we remove time and money, what do we need to drive change forward? Because we all need time and money. And uh, there's not enough of that for anyone. So I think when I really look at what our framing document for Ontario is saying, it's really saying that um, relationships are critical in the early years. And I think that really spreads across the sector. So relationships are also critical if we want to move change forward in a way that is long lasting and powerful and people connect to it. So um, that means really knowing our organization and knowing our um, educators. And I think that connects back to that idea then of distributed leadership. So if we know our educators and we know our families and we know our stakeholders, we can begin to kind of form this change team to help us drive change forward and to help create buy-in. So thank you. <laughs> that was what I needed to go back to. And, and, and then when we talk about kind of making changes in our organization, we have different theoretical approaches. I think everybody will know uh, Kurt Levin, Levin and Carter and stuff like that. Are you inclined to, to use kind of a certain line of thinking around uh, change management? So uh, one model that I've looked extensively at and that I have found aligns really well with early childhood settings is a model put out by uh, Kossi, uh, Dezeka and Ingalls. Um, and this model, I know Kossi is out of uh, University of Waterloo in Ontario, or was, um, is called the Change Path Model. And so this model is something that I've been encouraging those in early education to connect to or think about more deeply. And that's coming um, from this idea that it's not, it's a good blend of process and prescription. So it provides enough um, kind of substance, I feel, to help drive train change, but it's open enough to really allow us to um, build on the complexity and uniqueness that we find from uh, organization to organization. So this model uh, is made up of four stages um, that you can work through and that can help guide you through the change process. Um, yeah, 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 and we could take the four stages. Uh, so those four stages are awakening. So this is really looking at what is your vision for change? Um, where are you and where do you want to be? What is that problem that you're dealing with? Uh, the second stage is mobilization. So this is where you're looking at um, leveraging other skills and really that culture. So uh, not only the, the surface culture, um, but what is kind of beneath that um, and in a little bit that goes from everything from the architecture of your school, the clothing of your educators, the belief systems. Um, the third stage is the institutionalization stage. So this is where um, you're actually empowering others to uh, be involved in the change um, and engage with the change process. Uh, you're using tools to build momentum. And uh, through this stage, we're celebrating uh, success. So today I talked about not forgetting to celebrate the small and large successes. So this might range from you know, a pizza party with staff for something small to encouraging staff to present their findings around the change. We really need to bring uh, the voice of early educators to the research, uh, to, the, um, to these conferences, to allow us to continue to understand what's happening actually each and every day in the classroom. And uh, 
directly um, within the organization. And then the last stage is the institutionalization stage, and this is the measurement stage. So we're assessing our progress, um, looking at did what we implement even work? Um, so collecting the data, monitoring it, but then evaluating it. So what is that worth? And how do we move forward? This stage often is missed. I, I see this as the drop stage. We don't use this enough to Im, um, influence what our next cycle or our next year will look like. We kind of say, oh, let, let's breathe. We got through that. And uh, this is really critical because it allows us to plan um, and learn from what we've just been through. So we don't want to drop this, drop this stage. Yeah, actually, um, Heather, the time is running out from us now, <laughs> but we have some minutes. Is, is, is there something maybe we should end with when we talk about the change management and early childhood settings and, and, and leadership? Yeah, so I think um, what I like to leave people with is this idea that comes from Karen Callahan, a guru in Ontario in early education, um, which is I, I often hear people saying, I love all of this, but... You know, this is why change doesn't work or change is difficult or stressful. And I, I would love to encourage people to leave um, conferences, to, to finish listening to this and shift their mindset to I love all of this and now what? So how do I take these tools and ideas and think a little bit more deeply, um, continue the conversation and just um, move forward? That was the interview with a researcher in the leadership area. This podcast has come to an end. I would like to invite you to join our group on Facebook. If you just type in the search field on Facebook, research in leadership in schools, early childhood settings and social care settings, you will find the group. In the group, there are announcements of new episodes, and we are also able to discuss some issues being brought up in the episodes. This podcast has been running for a long time now, and due to technical reasons, all of the episodes are not available on all podcast platforms, such as Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, and so on. But in our group on Facebook, you can find the complete list of all the episodes that have been delivered. So please join us on Facebook. I hope to see you there. Bye bye.